Hello, Michael here with a quick disclaimer. The episode that you are about to listen to was originally recorded as a live event, meaning that it was recorded and streamed over our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy, or broadcast as a live event or recorded as a live event for our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash the RPG Academy. Hopefully you will understand why the audio quality of this episode is not quite up to the same standards you have come to appreciate and expect from our show. And on the off chance that when you listen to this episode, you don't really notice a difference between this episode and a regular episode, don't say anything, because that will make me cry. Thanks, and enjoy the show. We should be live now. So hello and welcome to Detention Live from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and tonight I have two special co-hosts with me from the Redemption Podcast. To my stage left, uh, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing this evening? Uh, So far, it's just us, so I'll answer. Things are good. Um, Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, Redemption Pod's a good way to get a hold of me. Or my other Twitter handle is Burlu underscore Chris. Fantastic. And then to my below would be Mike from the Redemption Podcast. Hello. How are you? Hey, Michael. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well, sir. And where can people find you on the interwebs? On Twitter. Uh, That's where I'm most active. Uh, You can also look me up on Facebook, but I won't give you my full name. You'll have to figure that out. Ooh, Ooh, secretive. Is there like a spy reason for that? No, I just don't use Facebook that much. Oh yeah, fair. Uh, when I filled out the um, the page for the RPG Academy, it asked for a bunch of information, some of which I think is ridiculous. So some of my information is, you know, not accurate. Like I live in seriously Ohio and go go f yourself county or something. I don't know. Just it seemed like some very intrusive questions for a fan page. I'm like, why do you need all this? It's, they wanted a credit card number. I was like, yeah, that's not happening. I will say you can also find Chris and I at our redemption page in Facebook. Uh, obviously, we keep that updated as much as we can. And as he mentioned, Redemption Pod is our Twitter handle. And uh, again, we're very active there as well. Right, and of course, the website, redemptionpodcast.com. Kindle A proud proud. member of the RPG Academy. Ah, there it is. <laughs> uh, so as for myself, if anyone doesn't already know, I can be found at the RPG Academy on the Twitters, on the Facebook, on the Google Pluses, and the Instagrams. Oh, uh, New York Tater says hi, but he can't stay. He's working on response for Hurricane Irma. Yeah, you got more important things yeah. to do. Don't worry about it. Go, us. go do that. <laughs> yeah, go do that. We'll be here uh, later if if you're uh, you know free to watch the archives. Wow, that's uh, important work. Yeah, it is important work. <laughs> it puts a lot of things in perspective. My, my it really problems, does. Nothing. Yeah. So tonight is going to be a little bit different. It is detention, but it's a special version of detention, which means it's not actually detention. Uh, we are going to do a Gen Con recap. Now, last night I was on the mics uh, with the locals, the IRL faculty, as I like to call them. And then tonight we're going to join up with uh, Chris and Michael. Now, we had a couple other people from the network uh, that were at 
Yeah, yeah. At Gen Con, uh, Taylor and Quinn, uh, they're not going to be on here tonight, but hopefully they might jump in at some point on chat or something. Let us know how their experience went. But I got to spend a lot of time with Mike and Chris, uh, which is kind of why they're on the show here. So I'll start with you, Chris. This was your first Gen Con, right? It was. So, and I. What, did it live up to the hype? Were you terrified going in? Was it all you thought and more? Were you bitterly disappointed? What'd you think? Uh, I had a lot of fun. Uh, it lived up to everything everybody's told me about. Um, I had a great time. All the games I got to play in were really good. Uh, I got to try out a couple of new games and had a lot of fun playing them. And the vendor hall lived up to <laughs> everything I've heard about. Uh, you're going to get bumped into, knocked around, and don't bring anything big in there. Yeah, it's uh, it's an experience. Uh, this was my fifth Gen Con, I believe. I thought it was fourth, but people told me it's fifth. I don't remember. Um, and it's weird because it, it's supposedly the largest crowd ever. They sold out for the first time ever, though they didn't give actual unique attendance numbers. They said it was around 60,000. I didn't feel like it was really that crowded. And I don't know if that's maybe because they did expand into Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, they took some events there, so everything was a little bit more spread out. But the vendor hall, as an aside, because that's just crazy, but just like in the halls and the hotels and in the rooms, I actually didn't think it was that crowded. What did you think, Chris? Um, you know, that's the first time I've been there, so I can't compare it to others. Did it but feel like 60,000 people? Not really. Not where I was at. But again, I, I don't spend a whole lot of time in the vendor hall because I don't like to spend a whole lot of money. I'm cheap. Yeah. And I like to keep my wife happy. And those usually go together. Yep. Um, I think having it spread out between all the hotels, uh, I, I did like going to Lucas uh, Stadium. That was neat to go in there and actually kind of see you when an NFL player gets to feel like when they're standing on the 50 yard line and yeah. there's thousands of people around them and it was neat to just kind of see all that stuff i spent a lot of time walking around and just kind of taking it all in absorbing it yeah all right so before i get to mike though what i've heard from a lot of people and myself included the first time i went it could be very overwhelming from the process of picking your games doing your wish list the housing situation did you have any hiccups or anything in particular about that that was notable no, uh, it helped that, you know, I had a good roommate who kind of walked me through how to go through the hotel. Our hotel had a shuttle that ran every hour or so, and then we just took an Uber back every night. Um, scheduling, I asked questions before I actually did it, so I didn't overbook myself. Uh, the only hiccup I had with scheduling is I didn't realize there's the Marriott and then there's the JW Marriott. Yes, common newbie mistake, myself included. So I went to the wrong hotel looking for my game to run on Saturday and finally asked a staff member, where's this room? And he kind of smiled and goes, okay, you're going to go down that hallway. You're going to go out the building, across that way, and you're going to go over to the other building. And then you'll find it. Yeah. <laughs> so. so did you make um, it on time, though? Yep. Nice. I always try to be a half hour early when I'm running a game. So I had some time to spare. Nice. Good GM tip there, boys and girls. Always be early. Because it might be like me, and you leave all your materials behind in the previous room, and then for, you forget that, and then have to run over to that room and hope they're still there, and they are still there, and then run all the way back. So always be early. A-B-E. 
Chris, I would I would remind you that you did also have the one scheduling faux pas that was Gen Con's fault for your synthesized game. That's true. I, I did. Um, I did go up there to play in synthesize, and then five other players showed up, and the game master Dustin said, "I only have five characters." They were only supposed to let us have five players, and I've played Synthesize. Uh, we demoed it for Openly Gamer Theater. I just wanted to kind of meet Dustin face-to-face, the actual designer, and kind of learn what we did right and wrong. So at that point, I just, you know what, Dustin, I've played this game. It's great. Let other people play it. Let them experience it. Uh, I said, you know, everybody, you're going to love this game. It's great. And then I just went and had dinner. Oh, well, there you go. Probably with Michael. <laughs> if I remember uh, right. Yes. Probably. I did. Yeah, we, yeah. we met up for uh, for food quite often. Quite a few meals. Yeah. So uh, let's speaking of that, let's jump down to to Mike here. Now you are not a new con, a Gen Con noob. Uh, you have been a couple times before, and once back in the nineties. Yes. The, back in the way back. Yes. So my first question to you is: Is what did it feel like? Difference from this ten years or so gap? How did Gen Con feel? Yeah. So my first Gen Con experience was like in 1993, uh, back at the old Milwaukee convention center. Uh, and I mean, when I went then, uh, you know, obviously it was a fresh faced, handsome young man and it was, I mean, it was thrilling then I was probably in my, you know, somewhat in my role playing game, like infancy. Like I didn't, I played D and D I'd played a D and D. Uh, I think I had played a game of star Wars, uh, D six, uh, the West End games. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a lot under my belt at the time, and it was overwhelming. There was just so much going on. Um, but at the same time, again, you know, anybody who goes to cons is familiar with this feeling. You go there and you feel like, wow, I've this is where I belong. I'm among my people. Uh, especially when you consider, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, like, the, you know, gaming as a, a hobby was not nearly as prolific as it is now. So the people that went to an event like this were, it was much more of a niche hobby back, even back then. Um, and then the next time I went was in 2015. So, I mean, we're talking almost 24 years later. Um, and that was again, uh, to, to quote Talladega Nights, it was mind bottling. Um, <laughs> uh, it was the sheer amount of people, the bodies, the amount of events, the amount of vendors, the amount of sponsors, like everything. It was clearly a night and day experience from back in 1993 to 2015 at, at, in, in Indianapolis. It was, it was amazing. Um, in 2015, I was a vendor, so I didn't get to do anything. I basically, you know, worked in the, uh, in the, uh, what did they call it? The, ah, uh, no, of course I'm going to forget because I, I want to remember. Uh, it was basically the independent gamers section, like the little, uh, independent corridor of the vendor hall. Okay. There's like three or four aisles that are all independent gamers or small first time vendors to Gen Con. Yeah. Uh, so that's where my group was then. And that's, I got to walk the vendor floor, I think twice, maybe three times over the course of the weekend. And the rest of the time we worked the whole show. So it was, you know, 12 hour days for four days in a row. We ate and we went back to the hotel to sleep and got up the next day. Was it this time? Entrepreneur Alley? It was. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Entrepreneur's Alley. Um, So it was a completely different experience this time. I got to actually take my time. You know, I got to go see everything I wanted to see. Uh, In fact, I found myself with too much time 
I only booked three events over the course of four days because I wanted to be free for everything else. Sure. Um, and then I realized, of course, once I arrived that free for everything else meant that I was going to miss everything because I didn't sign up for things ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, so, and usually you can jump into a lot of things with generics and almost every place I was at that did not work this year. Nope. Every table was full or there was a line for generics. So if you weren't there early, you still couldn't even get in, even if there was a spot. So on Saturday, uh, I got up and I, I thought, you know, I'm going to press my luck today. I test myself. I bought $20 worth of generics and I, uh, in my backpack found $18 worth of generics uh, the other day. So, <laughs> uh, money well spent. Yeah, so I got uh, I got a bunch of $2 souvenirs. If anybody would like some generic tickets from this year, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'll be happy to bring one to you at a Catacon. Nice. So for anyone who's just now jumping in, we do have some new people joining us, it looks like, on chat. Uh, we This is Detention Live from the RPG Academy. Uh, normally, this is an RPG talk show, which is this is kind of what this is tonight, but it's a special edition. We're going to recap our Gen Con experiences, myself, uh, as well as Chris and Mike from the Redemption Podcast. So we'll jump back up over to you, Chris. So what was your favorite, I'll say moment, I kind of mean event, but if there was something that happened outside of an event that you thought elevates higher, what was it? What was your like take-home best memory from Gen Con? The Star Wars game that I ran on Saturday, I really enjoyed that game. Um, I had six players. Uh, five of them actually live 20 minutes from me. So we drove four and a half hours to find out we could have been gaming a lot longer. Um, but it was nice because it was a dad and his four kids. And to see these four teenage kids really embrace the role playing and go through the social and do everything they could to avoid combat was really neat to me. It was really neat to see how uh, these four teenagers had kind of embraced what I was trying to tell and how to go with it. Um, they've actually contacted me since then, and they want to meet up at uh, Grand Con in a couple of weeks, and they've asked me to run another game for them. Very, very cool. So that was kind of a neat feeling for me. Yeah, for those to... unaware, Grand Con is the Grand Rapids, Michigan convention, uh, game convention, and we've had an appearance there last year, and hopefully we'll be able to have some bodies there this year as well. Sounds uh, like Chris is going to be there. Yeah, Chris will definitely be there. Uh, I had the, the opportunity, not this year, but the year before, to play in a game with uh, one of the people who listens to our show and his some of his direct kids and then like some nephews. Uh, and it was a very cool experience. You know, jumping into their bubble uh, was a lot of fun. So um, I want to interrupt before I get to Michael because someone had a request in chat that oh, we boy. should still do 10 things. It should just be Gen Con flavored. I'm down. Perfect. Yeah. All Let's right, Chris. So, uh, Chris, I'll go. Uh, Chris, ten things you saw at Gen Con while waiting in line to the bathroom. Good cosplay. One. Uh, bad cosplay. Two. Uh, lots of sweaty people. Three. Myself included. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, lots of games. Four. Uh, lots of fattening food that I really didn't want to eat. Five liar. You want to eat it? Lots of fattening food that I did eat. <laughs> uh, some games I really wanted, but just couldn't pull the trigger. Seven. Um. Ooh, uh, there was lots of the helper animals, the Eight. helper dogs. Oh, okay, yeah. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, uh, power wheelchair that ran over my foot. <laughs> Hi. That happened twice, and uh, <laughs> still only counts as one. Yeah. 
Unless it was two feet. Yeah. Uh, the guy dressed as a centaur. Ten. Isn't that cosplay? Again, ten things isn't about accuracy. It's about immediacy. All right. All right. All right. So Chris, ask Mike. All right. uh, I'm going to steal one from the chat. Uh, Mike, uh, ten oddest things of Gen Con. Ten oddest. Oddest. Um, Wow. What you really have to stump me on this Again, one? It doesn't have to be accurate. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm uh, <clears throat> so I'm going to go back to actually something that Michael mentioned a little earlier, which was uh, the the actual amount of space, the the open space that was involved with so many people there. There was still a lot of room to walk around. That was odd considering the fact that the thing was sold out for four days in a row. So that's one um, cosplay. Two. Lines wrapping around booths for days. Three. Three. Uh, absolutely no reason for that. That's just bad planning. Uh, four. Uh, the the pizza they were selling at the convention center was four. pretty odd. Um, people sleeping on the street outside. Five. Homeless or attendees never really got confirmation on that. We saw some people with badges sleeping on the concrete, and it was hot, guys. It was it was hot. It was hot outside. Yeah. Uh, I'm at five. Yep. Oh, jeez. Um, the pattern of holes or like indentations that my shoes left on my feet after walking all day. Six. Uh. The fist of broccoli I found inside my island noodles. Seven. That was huge. That thing was, I, you had to throw it away. It took you two hands to throw it away. Yeah. Um, seven. Uh, I saw, actually, I saw Danny Neary, calling her out by name. She's a great GM. I actually saw her be quiet for a little bit. Oh. Ooh. Eight. Like, like, actually, like, silent. And that was, that was odd. Was she um, asleep? She was not asleep, but she was tired. <laughs> uh, that's eight, nine. Uh, the odd layout of conference rooms at the uh, at Union Station. Ah, oh, yes. Yep. Nine. And uh, let's go with number ten. Um, I did not physically see Jim McClure anywhere. Ooh. Ooh. So the absence of Jim McClure. Yes, that was it. Was a, it was felt as if there was a disturbance or a void in the force. Nice. Ten. Yay. So before you get to me, I just want to say quickly to Nicole. So it looks like she jumps in and has no idea what's happening. Uh, this is <laughs> Detention from the RPG Academy. It's a role-playing game talk show. And right now we're doing something called Ten Things, which is an improv game that none of us are good at. But the idea is that we get a prompt for to name ten things as quickly as we can based off of whatever the prompt might be. And so with that, Mike, what's well, my prompt? Uh, your prompt, uh, what were the most imp- the 10 most impressive products that you saw at Gen Con. The cosplayers. You know the ones what? I mean. Yes. Uh, there was the giant balloon dragon. Ooh, two. Uh, there was like the war machine booth that had like animatronic top war machine thing. Three. Trace. Uh, there was the video game, which I'm not a video game person in the vendor hall, but it was like something they were trying to sell and they had like four giant screens set up at one time. And I just want that. Quattro. Quattro. Um, impressive. The line at the Fantasy Flight booth game thing that last, that was there for all four days. Cinco. Um, the French onion soup that I had at Weber. It was 
amazing. Six. Six. <laughs> um, let's see what else is impressive. Mm, I would say again, the fact that it didn't feel like sixty thousand people was there that was pretty impressive. I thought they handled it well. There were no security issues. Siete. Uh, people actually Seven. checking for badges in the convention center as well as the hotels. Ocho. Uh, the little cart that I saw this one parent walking around with, which I thought was genius to carry stuff in, is like a collapsible red wagon type thing. Nine. Um, my wallet, my wallet that was still mostly full when I got home. Ten. Ten. Yay. Okay. So with that out of the way, let's circle back around to Mike. So what was your highlight moment, event, situation? So my highlight, well, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of you guys about this already, but for the first time in over... 20 years, uh, I ran into uh, an old friend of mine at the show. Uh, now, I say ran into, we had planned to meet at the show uh, with some previous conversation on Facebook. But uh, it's a friend of mine named Kim. Uh, he works for a distributor company that distributes a lot of the products at Gen Con. Um, and we actually ran into each other at the, uh, the Dragonfire booth. And when I say ran into, literally, I walked up next to him and did not recognize him until he turned and looked at me and said, Mike? <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, Kim? And then, you know, I made that uh, face from the the uh, the 70s meme of the guy that's so confused. I was like. <laughs> and then we uh, a big hug and we talked for a while. Kim um, was my first DM. He ran my first uh, Dungeons and Dragons game out of the Red Box for me. We played AD and D together through high school. Um, we ran together, uh, not ran, but like we ran after school. We did a lot of activities together. Uh, he was he worked in the theater for our drama department, so uh, he did a lot of the lights and tech stuff. And I was on stage a lot of the time, so we spent a lot of time together. And then literally, like he graduated, I graduated, and it was just like poof, like we just went our separate ways. So I got to spend a good chunk of this convention, just spending time with my old friend again and kind of hanging out with him. Uh, I got to go to a, a party with him. That was a lot of fun. And then, you know, I was able to bring him afterward to meet you guys and, and play some board games. And again, just that quality time, that was really my standout moment. I, I played some great games with uh, members of the Academy. Our Taylor ran a great Questlandia game for us. I got to play in one of Danny's games and Danny is, a, is an amazing GM. She's so much fun and so lively and, and vivid in her, in her gaming and her descriptions. But really, the, meeting my buddy there was at uh, seeing my friend Kim for the first time in like 25 years. That was like a standout moment. Gen Con, bringing people together. Really? Jeez. Really? So I had already basically covered this last night, so I, I won't go into a whole lot of detail because I've already covered this again <laughs> last night. Uh, but I had two standout moments for me. I know uh, what one of them is. I was, well, I'd say three if I count the French onion soup I had at Weber Grill. Really good. <laughs> uh, but... The, the best game that I had, the best event, hands down, not even close, was the game I got to play with Danny. I played a, a Numenera game. She was a fantastic GM. We had a fantastic table. There wasn't a you know a dud in the bunch, which happens sometimes at conventions. You get some people that just don't jive with everyone else, and you know they can be kind of a, an emotional sink to the game. None of that. Everybody was on point. Everybody had a blast. She ran an excellent game. I got to be funny and make people laugh, which is all I really live for these days. Uh, so it was absolutely a fantastic game. 
But my favorite moment was the one Mike alluded to because you were there. You're my witness that I'm not making this I, up. I was there. Uh, I we was were, there. We were in the dealer hall, and a person I did not know, I don't know if they heard my voice because that's how I usually get recognized at Gen Con, or they just happened to see me, came over, said hi, uh, said that he and his, his kid were in our panel on how to you know how to run D D games uh he thought it was fantastic and was excited to basically go home and start playing D D with their kid uh again couldn't nothing was going to top that i mean i could have found a thousand dollars on the ground and still i would have been happier because of that comment that guy he could not thank you enough he was so thrilled that he and his son got to be you know experience your panel yeah it was awesome i mean again i, I don't want to you know just clap myself on the back until my shoulder falls off but uh you know, again, I don't make enough money doing this anywhere near to make this a career, <laughs> but that is why we do that. Like that is why the podcast exists. That's why when I get frustrated with, with, you know, failing or not being where I think we should be or not doing the thing I think we should do. And I'm like, why are we even doing this? That's why that random comment will keep me going for a couple of years, probably that I made a, a positive change in someone's life. And, you know, I'm a father, I have two young boys and I'm starting to play games with them. And to, to know that I had an influence on this man playing games with his kid, I mean, that's just, again, I just, it was amazing. So I'm glad it happened. I'm glad Mike was there to see it. So I, I'm not just making stuff up and people don't believe me. It, it really happened. It was fantastic. Um, so someone had asked earlier, just sort of in general, they, they had not gone to a convention before. I guess they were a little confused. Uh, so the, the very basics of any convention like this is basically it's an organized place to play role-playing games, board games, card games, and then it has sort of branched out because Gen Con is so large that you also have a high contingency of like cosplayers who come in costume from all the different types of media. You have uh, entertainment events like, uh, you know, burlesque dancing shows, d, &D well, comedy shows. For example, this year, like one of the highlight events was uh, They Might Be Giants came and played. Uh, a, like a, a private show for Gen Con and a Gen Con attendees that you could simply uh, go to with a ticket. You bought a ticket through Gen Con. I think it was like $10. And it was apparently that show was amazing. I missed that also. But uh, everybody I know that went to see it said that that show was just amazing. They were fantastic. Uh, then you also have like basically a vendor hall where all the top vendors and anybody who's trying to get into that group show up and they demo their games they sell you copies of their games they let you see what's coming out new all that kind of good stuff uh essentially gen con or whatever the organizer is can organize everything you buy a badge which usually costs depending on the size of the, the con how much it costs and then sometimes there's per event costs like mike was mentioning that the uh, they might be giants concert was like an additional ten dollars or whatever uh, and there's you know it's kind of like a lottery in some ways there's so many so many events each event has so many seats uh you get kind of assigned a place in line when when the day comes for registering and you hopefully get into what you want if you don't you can always pick up generic tickets and just show up and hope that there's an empty seat that you can get in or you can wander around and just meet up with people i, I have people now that are gen con friends like i i only see them at gen con or sometimes other conventions but they're basically convention friends and just hang out with them and play games with them you know that includes you guys now that, you know, we don't get to hang out every day, but we'll want to see each other at Gen Con or Origins or Catacon. So I want to play games with you guys because I don't get to do that otherwise. Not kind of the podcast. Um, and then Jared it's asked a... um, about what we bought. So I'll start with you, Mike. So did you buy anything? Did, did, was there anything that you purchased so, to bring home? So, yes, I bought a few things. 
Just a few. I was I managed to hold down. <laughs> you got a bunch of things. You bought a couple things. I bought a couple things and I got some freebies. <laughs> and I'll mention legally, both. Legal, let's, let's, legally, legally. I did not take anything from a table. I didn't swipe anything. I didn't use my 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 charms on people. Um, well, maybe. Yeah. Um, so I actually I bought uh, USAopoly's Harry Potter uh, Hogwarts Battle. It's a deck building game. Uh, and it's fairly simple to learn. It's set up uh, in like basically seven decks in the box and each deck from deck one to deck three teaches you a, a facet of the game, adds a little bit of complexity. And once you get to deck three, the real game starts and you start actually getting some challenge into the game. Um, and you play as one of four of the Harry Potter hero characters. Uh, and it's a standard deck builder. Each character starts with its... Uh, a 10 card deck and then you buy cards from Hogwarts and you fight villains from the series. Like, you know, you fight uh crab and Goyle and you fight the, the Malfoys and stuff like that, trying to defend Hogwarts. It's a lot of fun. I've played it a number of times since we got back and it was a, it was a pretty good value. I have a, a wife uh, at dish kitty. Uh, I'll plug her a little bit. Uh, she uh, she loves Harry Potter, but she's not a huge like board gamer per se. She likes the standards, but not necessarily a lot of the more complicated games. But a game like this, I could get her into easily with the Harry Potter pieces that she knows, and the deck building part was real easy. So I picked that up. Uh, also bought at a discount uh, Upper Deck's new game Shark Island, which we got to play for a little bit after uh, one of the evening or during one of our evening sessions, but we didn't get a full game in. It was like uh, two or three in the morning at that point. It, yeah, yeah, it was, it was late, and it's a complex game to try and learn at one in the morning when yes. at least two people involved are 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 a little bit uh, tipsy. Uh, tipsy under the influence, so to speak. <laughs> um, Basically, it's Jaws in a Box. You play one of six, it's a cooperative game, up to six um, hunters against one shark. Uh, and the, somebody gets to actually play the shark. Uh, you are basically taking over little, you have little islands that you have to try and influence with the shark and terrorize, and the hunters have to try and combat the shark. Combat in this game is basically a game of uh, blackjack. Um, you try to get to whoever gets dealt 23 first or closest to 23 does damage, whether that's the shark or a player. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I've not gotten to play it for a full round yet since I'm hoping that I can maybe bring it to a catacomb and uh, I might try to run an event there where I'm trying to teach the game to anybody who wants to play it. I want to jump um, in quickly. Um, they didn't actually get the license, Targris. It says shark attack. It's yeah, Jaws. It's, but it's it Shark Island. Jaws. Oh, there is an like the characters. The, one of the hunters is a grizzled fisherman. One of the hunters is an oceanographer. So I mean, it's the game. Uh, the designer is a, an enormous Jaws fan. Has, from what I'm told, like one of the 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 greatest private collections of Jaws memorabilia. Like each shark in one six size. Mm. Like parts of the actual orca, the boat. You know, like so. This guy was very influenced by this, not just this movie, but other shark movies. One of the promo cards that came with the Gen Con release is actually a tornado card. So you actually get to have a Sharknado <laughs> in your Shark Island game. Um, that was a lot of fun. So I, I did pick that up. And actually the thing I got for free um, was from Asmati Games. 
Um, it's called One Deck Dungeon. I got to, that was one of the demos I actually got to kind of squeeze myself into. And I, I gotta say, I tried to use my charms. I think they were just being nice. I don't think I really won them over at all. Uh, I got into the demo. I, I kind of weaseled my way in with one generic ticket and then uh, entered their Twitter contest to win the game, a playmat, or maybe some other promotional materials. I won the playmat on Twitter and I came back the next day to get it. And I said, well, I've got the playmat, but I can't get the game. You guys have been sold out since Thursday. Um, they, you know, they said, well, you know, you can buy it online. I said, yeah, but you're sending me home with a playmat for a game I can't play. I don't, I don't have it. So I hemmed and hawed with them a little bit. And again, the wonderful people at Ismati Games took pity on me and uh, provided me with one of their demo decks at the, at the end of the day on Sunday when they were, when they were shutting down for the con. Uh, so I got a slightly used deck. It's in great shape, but I got that and the playmats for, uh, for free, basically they, they gave them to me and I've actually been playing it by myself. I've, I've got some friends I want to teach it to, but it's a single player game too. So I have it set up actually in front of my game table behind me. It's on my table so that when I'm like in a break in a, in an Xbox game or doing something else, I can look down and start roll my dice and maybe move to another level of the dungeon and see how far I can get. Nice. Those were my, those were my Gen Con purchases. So Targus jumped back in. He was actually, it was the delay on Twitch. He was talking about the Harry Potter license for oh. the deck builder game was the license that was, uh, you know, a good get, I guess. Oh yes, very much so. And they actually sold an expansion for that game. Their first expansion, uh, they sold at the con as well. They again sold out, I believe, on the first day. Um, and the expansion includes an extra hero uh, and again some additional monsters and scenarios to fight. It's really worth uh, checking out. There's a lot of YouTube videos on how to play it. Like again, uh, I may bring it to a catacon if I can convince my wife to let me. You know, it's it's kind of I bought it for her, so I kind of would have to borrow it. But we'll see. Well, I'm a big fan of deck builders. I do like the Harry Potter IP. My kids are legendary, so, so I might uh, I might uh, grab that at some point. But let's move to Chris. So what about you, Chris? I know you talked about you didn't spend a lot of money. Did you spend any money? Uh, I came back with one game. Uh, it's called A Tragedy in Five Acts. It's a, a role-playing game. It's based in a Shakespeare. Uh, everybody is given a different role. So you have to have five players. Uh, you're either the foil, uh, the lover, the parent, the authority, um, or uh, the, the daughter figure. Um, each one of those actually has a different role within the story. You're then given a keyword that just gives your character a little more background. And the idea is each person takes a turn uh, as the quote director of an act. Each act has three scenes. Each player has to be in at least one of the scenes. And then as a group, you create a, a little story. Uh, the way you create the story is the director starts off each scene by uh, explaining what they think the scene should be. Everybody goes around the table explaining a different idea and how the next scene should go. At the end of it, everybody votes on who had the best scene, and then you act out that scene. And each actual act has a different kind of theme to it. It's like the first act is kind of the introduction. The final act is pretty much all the tragedy. Uh, I really liked it because it's a very good cooperative game, and it's one that I can actually get my wife to play because there's no dice to roll or rules to know. She can just act out whatever character she's acting at. So I had a lot of fun playing it, and I picked it up and brought it back. So is that like basically fiasco, but Shakespeare themed? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. It's similar. The only dice that you roll though are actually for points. 
And then whoever has the most points at the end of the game actually gets to name the play. Hmm. So that's the only really kind of competitive part in it, but that's the only thing I came back with. Um, What about you? I know you came back with a few. Uh, Just a couple. This was my cheapest Gen Con yet. Uh, I was very excited about that. It was a bit of a plan uh, to not spend a lot of money, and I I did very well. Uh, So the only two games that I purchased was the Buffy version of Legendary. Uh, Again, anyone who's listened to the show more than twice knows that I love Legendary, and I pretty much insta-buy everything that they come out with. I also love Buffy, so this was like a no-brainer. I also bought a bunch of sleeves, because see what I learned, and I'm I'm completely reaction last night, that usually I buy these games and then I can't touch them because I cannot play my games until they're sleeved. So I bought sleeves this time. So I went back to the room, sleeved the cards, and then we actually got to play Buffy Legendary in the hotel that night because they were sleeved. Uh, I also bought Dragonfire, which is the D&D version of Crossfire, which I got to play at last year's faculty retreat. Uh, Kindle ran us through that. It's a That was a Shadowrun game, but it's basically a deck builder. I don't like Shadowrun at all. But I loved that game. So when I heard they was making a D&D version, that was like a no-brainer. Uh, and essentially, you take on a, a role. Uh, so there's all these character cards. They're like little sort of tents. And there's different races and classes that would fit the traditional D&D theme. Uh, you have a deck of starting cards because it's a deck builder. If you're the martial character, you have more martial cards. You may have one, one wizard card, one druid card, or whatever. And then... The game goes and the game reveals encounters that you have to face and it could be an orc, a goblin, an ogre. Uh, it depends on like, you know, how far into the game you are, but it starts pretty basic. And then the encounters are targeted to certain character classes. So if you're the martial character, certain ones will target you and then the next one just goes to whoever's to your left. So basically whoever gets the first card kind of dictates where they all go. And then you have to work together to defeat those encounters. So an encounter may say you have to hit it with four martial attacks, one wizard attack, and then two anything attacks. And most of your cards can only work on the creature in front of you. Some cards are what are called assist cards, and you can use them on someone else's turn. So that's where the cooperative nature comes in. You have to try to figure out how you can get that creature down to zero, because if it's not dead at the end of the round, it does damage to you, and you don't have a whole lot of health. So, uh, you, you know, if it, if it lasts more than one or two rounds, you're kind of in trouble. Every time you defeat the creature, you get a gold reward, and that's what you use to buy the new cards that go into your deck to make your deck more powerful. There's magic items, there's additional spells, there's additional attacks. Uh, certain classes have certain features, like if you're the martial character and you lay out a card that has the swords on it, which, which is the, the martial attack, and you get three total swords, you get to draw a new card. So if most of your attacks are martial, you could lay three cards, draw a card, lay three cards, draw a card, and you can start to get these really powerful combos that let you do more and more damage. But what's really cool about it is that it's like a living campaign where you keep your character card and you can get like continuous rewards. Like you may get a magic item, then you get a little sticker that you physically put on your character card that's your card, and now your character always has that item. If you go up a level, you may get more hit points. You may start with different cards. So your character you keep as you play the game continuously and so that you can take on higher challenges. Like if you start the game today, having never played and you try to play one of the more advanced scenarios, you will not win. It's just not possible. So I like the aspect that you can get more powerful as you go. Uh, Obviously, it's D&D themed. It's a deck builder. It was pretty much a no-brainer. Sadly, I haven't gotten to play it yet because it it really needs four people. 
But we have a game day scheduled for not this coming Saturday, but next. And that's top of the list for what we're going to play when people come out. So Buffy Legendary, Crossfire, and Card Sleeves was my three purchases. Nice. The Dragonfire sounds fun. Yeah. Did You didn't play the Crossfire with us, did you? I have played it. Okay. Not with you guys there. I was doing something else. So it's the same exact game, except it's D&D instead of Shadowrun. Oh, cool. Now, there was another Buffy deck building game there, too, that we saw as we were walking the vendor hall that looked pretty interesting. Again, kind of a similar premise where you have a, they had the character cards and it was set up so you could basically play as the characters through all seven seasons. Yeah, that wasn't actually a deck builder. I think it was, that was basically just a board game. A lot was like, it just a board game? Yeah, I thought it was. I think I it had, had some cards, but I didn't, I didn't, I don't remember it being a deck builder. It could be wrong. I thought it was more like Eldritch Horror. Where you oh, had you know locations what? and yep, you would feel right. like certain things and you had to have the right cards in your hand to defeat those things. Um, maybe there's a little bit of elements of both. But uh, yeah, that probably, I might pick that up at some point. Um, I'm not a huge Eldritch Horror fan and that's what it felt like to me. So I might not get that one, but uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, so Panda Death asked about, uh, do I commit to the sticker to the card or only the sleeve? I don't understand what you're asking there i don't know if there's a, a missing word or if i'm just dumb uh so essentially i get the upper deck sleeves and i just i sleeve all of them i do color coordinate them so every game has a different color and then like dragon fire there's three different types of cards so each type of card has a different color just because i'm michael all right so let's talk food so i've already mentioned oh. dragon soup multiple times so mike what was your best food experience at gen Con? Well, I'll tell you, um, it's actually kind of a tie. Um, it's a tie between, you know, as much as I complained about the giant fist of broccoli and those island noodles, for food truck fare, those island noodles were really good. I thought maybe it might have been because I was very hungry, but they were also, they were quite tasty. Um, and then actually, I think um, uh, Nada, the Mexican place that we went to for lunch, I really enjoyed the food we had there. The the queso was delicious. The the guacamole was fantastic. Uh, your tacos looked great. Like everything looked like it was really well made and tasted good. And everything I ate tasted great. Nice. Uh, Weber Grill was was good. Like my I had the brisket and the brisket was tasty. But I've had good brisket, uh, and it was just a kind of a, a more unique experience with the. The, the custom sodas and again just everything felt like it was a little more handmade a little more attention was paid to it at nada gotcha all right so to cut chris off so panda explain what they were asking so the character sheets that you have are not sleeved they're like a cardboard it almost looks like a dm screen it's like one long side two short sides so yes yeah, so those would get stickers actually on them uh, but those are designed to be used once and basically continuously so I haven't actually put a sticker on yet. There might be a, a, a bit of pain when that actually happens. And I'll be very particular to make sure it's on there straight and not like crooked. But yes, I'll actually put stickers on them. Okay, so Chris, favorite food moment? Uh, the Nada's is really good. I will agree with Mike on that one. Um, there's also a couple barbecue food trucks that were there that I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoy pulled pork and both of them had phenomenal pulled pork. And what I really liked about it, too, is it wasn't the, uh, here's a spoonful of pulled pork. It was overflowing and off the bun, you know, the way barbecue is supposed right. to be served. Uh, there's also the cheesecake from, I think, Weber. Is that, 
think that's where we had that. Oh, that was really good. Yeah, I stole a little of the other Chris's cheesecake <laughs> when he wasn't looking. Of course, he kept offering it to me, and I kept saying no. And then when he walked away, I was like, oh, I gotta try it. So I stole it. So that was really good. Um, besides the French onion soup, though, what was your favorite? So, so that's the thing. And again, I don't want to disparage anyone too much, but uh, my Weber grill experience was mixed. French onion soup was the best French onion soup I've ever had. The shrimp cocktail, solid. Cheesecake, amazing. The actual steak was a tremendous disappointment. Like I was very sad that my steak was not any better than that. But probably, despite all that, probably my favorite, my, or not my favorite, my best food moment was when I had hot box pizza at two o'clock in the morning. That's probably because I had pizza at two o'clock in the morning. That, there, there might be some other factors that were involved in that. But that was pretty good pizza. It was really good pizza. I was super hungry. So I give props to Hotbox. Uh, definitely will be on uh, top of the list next year. So anyone who comes to Gen Con, we, we always get in the Embassy Hotel. And again, we covered this last night. We have, a, have an in with the VIP. They let us use their room. And by we, I mean me and the local people. So we're always at the Embassy. The Embassy has a nice lobby area. It was under construction this year, but next year I'm sure it'll be completely full again. There's lots of tables. They have a little bar area where you can get drinks and, you know, like um, bar food. So we end up most evenings there just playing games in the lobby. Um, so, you know, if you're coming to Gen Con, you want to hang out with us, that's probably the place to find us. So, yeah, we ordered hot box pizza one night. It's like one o'clock in the morning, uh, but it was darn good. I was very happy with it. Yes. The only downside with the Embassy Suites is Uber can't seem to find it. <laughs> oh, man, that was a challenge every night. So we had to call, or order the Uber and then walk two blocks down the street so they could find us. Mm. Otherwise, they were calling us and we're like waving at them from the middle of the street. <laughs> if you've never been to the Embassy Suites in Indianapolis, it's it's as if someone said, "Hey, we've got a sweet hotel. Let's build a mall around it." <laughs> but it is nice that there's a Panera Bread literally in the basement, and Weber Grill is right next to that. So if you do no, want no, some true. Good French like, onion soup or a you know French onion bread bowl. Right there, you're sold. You're sold. Whereas myself and Chris stayed at the Candlewood Suites uh, out in the medical district, which, again, free shuttle to the to the convention hall. Great place to stay if you can get in there. I mean, the room was huge. Uh, plenty of space. Great amenities. Downside is is the closest food place is the Speedway. That's about a block over. Uh, that's and really the closest place to eat. Yeah, and it's a Speedway. And, and it's a Speedway. Yeah. No, so you can get those tornadoes. There you go. But don't get the nacho cheese. Bad things happen with gas station nacho cheese. But yes, no. to the people in chat, that French onion soup was the bomb. The best I've ever had. It was amazing. All right. So, but it can't all be roses. So, Michael, what was, and, and again, we'll change the names to protect the innocent. So I, I won't say your worst experience, but what did you learn? Like lessons learned. If, if assuming you come back next year, is there anything you would do differently to try to improve your experience overall? Yep. So uh, the number one thing for me is I would book more events. Um, you know, I, I came into Gen Con having been to a, a convention. Long story short, the, the last convention I was at before Gen Con was a Catacon last year. And I booked myself solid, which, hey, I had a great time, but I had no time to do anything else but the stuff I booked. And I'm not the type of person that tries to blow those things off. I know people plan you know, people spend time building adventures, but, you know, putting resources into it. So if I book an event, I'm going to play the event. Having come from that, I thought, well, Gen Con's huge. There'll be plenty of stuff to do. I'm going to know a bunch of people there. I'm sure I can find some pickup games and other things. Um, 
I didn't book enough and I ended up walking around lonely a lot, which sounds sad and pathetic. And it kind of was. Uh, I basically listened to like sad playlists on my headphones when I could get reception and, you know. Okay. Yeah. Sad hawk music. Yeah, lonely down the road. Yeah. There's a balance that you need to strike that I've very much so. This year was actually probably my best year for balance. I had stuff to do, I had breaks where I could grab food, I had my evenings free to hang out with you guys. So I think this was probably my best year for that balance. My first year, I overbooked terribly at Gen Con, much like you did at Catacon. The difference being, Catacon is in one building, Uh, Gen Mm -hmm. Con is spread over the entire, you know like three city blocks so i uh, i was miserable trying to get from one thing to the other not knowing how far apart things were and yeah so there's, there's a balance to be struck but but what i have found at least for me personally i don't do well with pickup games i do well with off book scheduled games so like you just that you know someone on twitter you know or whatever like hey let's play this game let's do it saturday at two o'clock okay great i won't schedule anything around that rather than like literally being there going, hey, does anybody want to play a game right now? Because that doesn't always line up very well. Yeah. I tried to hook something up with Brad, um, but that didn't work, unfortunately. And, you know, I made a call out to people on Twitter. And again, uh, Gen Con being what it is, you know, they're, again, everybody's kind of doing their thing. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of, at least I found impromptu things going on. So, So that was my big lesson. The other takeaway I would have is, out of my three games, two of my tables were dead tables. And for those who don't know what a dead table is, I would simply say a dead table is players who are not really into the game. Uh, They're distracted by their phones. They are not really inhabiting their characters. They're not really embracing the role play thing. Um, One game, unfortunately, was scheduled for like a four-hour block, and we were done in two hours and 15 minutes. We had blown through the game in two hours and 15 minutes, and it was just, you know, the work that the person put into putting the game together, like, they didn't get to fulfill what they wanted. You know, a, lot, a couple people at the table didn't get to fulfill what they wanted, and it was just, it's, it's easy to let those things get you down. Don't, uh, because, like, the next game I had was with Taylor, and that table was amazing, and we had a, an, a great session. We played Questlandia. Maybe one of the most interesting game sessions I've ever had. The world building part of that was amazing. And so it can flip on a dime. So you'll experience it. It'll happen. Don't let it ruin your experience. So what I would say there to potentially the other players that might have been at that table is that there's so much to do at Gen Con. You can't do everything. Don't try to do everything. And very likely when those people bought the ticket, because they they paid their money for their badge and they paid their Mm -hmm. money to go to that game, Mm -hmm. they went there with the assumption that we're going to have a good time and maybe they didn't get enough sleep the night before, or maybe they didn't want to be in that game. That was the third thing on their list, or maybe their significant other wanted to play it and they were just a tag along. Just don't do that. Like if you don't want to be at that table, there is so much more to do. Give that seat to someone who wants to be there. You know, again, things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't, I don't know those people's minds, but go into the game wanting to have fun and trying to have fun. I think you'll end up more often than not, having fun well and and that's the trick right i mean that's that being a complaint of mine is not a judgment on those people again everybody's got their own thing going on it's gen con it's huge it's exhausting It, it just so happens that like with only three events booked i really had high hopes for all three of those events and so i went in maybe uh i went in 
Right, you know, hoping to succeed and then finding out that that wasn't going to be the case for those two of those three games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but overall, very positive experience. Those are just the two things for me. Gotcha. All right, Chris, same sort of question. So lessons learned, things you want to do differently next year to improve your experience overall. Uh, really communicate with people I know beforehand so we can actually set up time to do stuff. There are a lot of people that I got to see only for a few minutes that I wanted to actually go see longer. So coordinating that better would have been a, a whole lot more entertaining for me. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, not getting lost in the hotels. I kept going to the wrong places. JW uh, different than Marriott. Yep. Um, you know, I didn't really have any dead tables. I got lucky. I had a lot of really good players. Uh, one little I don't know. Frustration for me was almost every game I played in, I would go to the table and the game master would have to go up and actually kick the previous game off because they were going over in time. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of getting a little annoyed with that. And I wanted to say, come on, plan a little better. I mean, when I run a game, I keep my phone on the table and I've got a timer that counts down. So I know exactly how much time I have left. That way I don't run into that kind of situation. So otherwise the biggest negative for me was leaving. I hate leaving. <laughs> it puts me in a funk for the next few days. I'm grouchy. So. Nice. And what about yeah, you? He was, he was quiet and emotional on the ride home. It was sad. Oh, well, um, yeah. So I didn't have any issues with tables running over, but I, almost every game I played, it felt like they had changed the table numbers. So you, like, <laughs> they would have the little map on the outside of the room. And it was basically, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It wasn't hard. And I would go in based off of that chart and take a seat. And then, like, where's my game master? Where's the other players? What's going on? Oh, I'm sorry. Your game was moved to table eight. Okay. Thanks for telling me, I guess, you know. <laughs> so then I have to, like, pack all my crap up again and move over, you know, 12 feet. So that was I, – because I didn't, I didn't get the – I didn't – at no point did I see, oh, I know why they did this. It always seems, like, very arbitrary. I'm sure they had a reason, but it didn't make any sense to me. It was just a little bit of frustration. So one of the things that I try to do when I go to Gen Con – um, is I try to play games I've never played before. And this year, that didn't work out great. Um, you know, I played in one game. I just I didn't really care for the system. It just didn't connect with me. Uh, I played another game. The game was actually okay, but the DM had a really low voice. And again, I'm completely rehashing last night. But uh, I have a hard time hearing. You know, again, I have a hearing aid, basically deaf in my left ear without it. And even with it, it's still not 100%. Uh, and I had a very hard time hearing this DM and I was like leaning in super close and I still couldn't hear. So that just made, it would have been probably a fun game. Otherwise it was still okay, but it wasn't great because of that. Uh, I had two good games. Danny's game was excellent by far my favorite game. I had another really good game with uh, Sean heavy metal GM. He ran a 13th age game, which was a lot of fun, had a great table almost. That's a story for another time. 75% uh, of that table aces. Let me say. Uh, but it still was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, so the, probably the biggest negative for me is other than pickup games, like we, like we did together, I didn't schedule any events with people I knew. You know, I knew Danny, so she was the DM. I got to be on that. Um, I knew Sean, so I, I was at his table. But like your dead table situation, Mike, if there had been someone at the table with you that you knew, you still would have had fun. And that's, that's been my experience that even if I'm at a dead table, if I'm with Michael or Jared, we're still going to have a good time. And, and that's actually to, to speak just to that brief point, there was a third person that was supposed to be with us. Unfortunately, they couldn't make it to the con. Uh, 
and I had scheduled all my events with that person. person. Yep. So I had would have had a partner at the tables that we could have played off of. We could have brought the energy level of the table up in general. You know, there's things we could have done to try and mitigate some of that, that dead table. But unfortunately that particular situation didn't work out in our favor. And, uh, and so all my events ended up being sans one person. Yeah, that, that is disappointing. Uh, so for me, I'm probably going to do very similar next year. I, I'm, I am going to run an event next year. I ran some panels this year, but no events. I probably, I think I want to run one. Otherwise I thought my schedule was very well balanced. I like the number of events I had compared to the free time. I definitely want to do some more hangout stuff with you guys and try to get find Quinn if he's there next year. <laughs> right. I, I think he was there. the elusive Quinn. The I know he Quinn. made it, <laughs> uh, but I want to schedule my games to have at least one other person in them that I already know. Uh, just cause I think that will make them more enjoyable overall. But again, it was Gen Con. It was a great time. So happy that it went. Uh, now I'm looking forward to a catacon. So, you know, that's who isn't exactly the people who aren't going. <laughs> that's who, but those are Dang. the only ones. But it's a really good time. So yeah, we're uh, we're we're probably a couple days away from releasing the event schedule submission form, which means we're probably two or three weeks away from having the event schedule up, which is a big step for us getting everything ready. So, all right. So I will kind of throw it out to chat once again. We're actually up. This might be the most people that's ever watched us. I don't know what that says about our normal show. Uh, but if there are any other questions, it doesn't necessarily have to be Gen Con related, though that does make sense. Uh, it could be anything podcast related, RPG related, or whatever. Just want to say hi. Uh, we'll give you a couple minutes to throw any questions into the chat that you have before we'll sign off. Uh, so while we're waiting for chat to catch up, I'll go back to you, Chris. Any final thoughts about Gen Con, Catacon, Grand Con? Anything you want to share? Um, I just really love going to conventions. It's nice to be in a big area surrounded by a bunch of fellow geeks and it's a nice comfortable place to be um i, I really enjoyed the panels that we ran uh, that was a, a big treat for me to actually be on those uh, it was nice to see people smiling and shaking their head and kind of giving me some acknowledgement that uh i'm not completely insane with when how you I say run something game. and they acknowledge it or they give you a little laugh that's that's amazing it's such a great feeling yeah and I was surprised when I made the little comment about I come to a game with 10 things prepared. I'm happy if my players make it through one and the whole room like <laughs> erupted yep. in laughter. I was like, well, I, I didn't mean it to be quite that big of a joke, but you know, it was, it was really a nice experience to, to have that. Um, I'm looking forward to doing it again at a catacon. Um, Grand Con's kind of a different situation this year. So I'm not sure how they're going to do uh, panels there. I'm going to go this year and see they've moved locations. So instead of being in a hotel, they're actually at uh, the DeVos Hall, which is downtown. And I don't know if it has separate rooms to do panels. Mm. So I chose not to do them there. <clears throat> um, otherwise, I, I try to convince as many people as I can to go to conventions. Um, a, because I want more people there. Uh, and B, I want more people I know to be there so I can tap into having good games because I really don't want a dead table. Absolutely. Um... So Panda Death asked uh, pros and cons of a <laughs> pros and cons of big versus small conventions. That, the use of con there threw me for a loop. Uh, so Michael, so I ask you because you've been to Gen Con before. You've been to Gen Con this year. You've been to a Catacon. What are your thoughts on big cons versus small cons? So I I have to say, as much as awesome as Gen Con is, and as much as it is a giant just a spectacle. Um, 
of, of the, the hobby and of gaming in general, uh, board gaming, tabletop gaming, you name it. I got to say, I prefer small conventions. I prefer small conventions because I feel like they are a more intimate setting. You get to actually spend time and see the same people kind of over and over again. So you build more relationships at small conventions. Uh, example, uh, so at, we went to a catacon last year for the first time, and it was amazing. And there was a couple there that we met in one of the games uh, named Quinn and Jacqueline. Um, and like over the next couple of days, they came as, uh, as VIPs for RPG Academy. So they were at the VIP party, the opening night. And then I saw them in a couple of my games over the course of the next two days. And we built, you know, a, an acquaintanceship, a, a friendship, if you'd call it. And I saw them at Gen Con this year. I hadn't seen them since a catacomb last year. And I literally saw them for two seconds. They stopped by a table I was at. They said hi, and they were gone. It was like, poof, they vanished. They were phantoms. Um, and, you know, we tried, I tried to kind of reach out to them again. And, but again, it's a busy convention. Everybody's already got things going at that smaller show it, or at the smaller conventions. You know, I'll constantly be seeing these people and we'll just be trading anecdotes about little games we just played or people we met. And it's, it's just a, a friendlier and more inviting setting overall. I think yeah. you might not get the type of, uh, wide, vast array of games that you would get at Gen Con because, again, if there is a game, somebody's running an event for it. Yes. If there's something you want to play, it's out there. And small cons can be a little more limiting in that fashion. But, again, you've got so much more flexibility with a small convention. There's a lot more uh, impromptu things that can pop up or small things that can pop up. You'll have some of your more memorable sessions at a table at, like, you know, 11 o'clock at night where you guys just all sat down and decided to play a board game because you had some dead time and you might know three of the seven people at the table. And by the end of that session, you guys are trading Facebook information and Twitter information. And then suddenly you find yourself with a, a much larger uh, base of people that enjoys the same thing you do. That's harder to do at Gen Con than it is at a small show. For me, I kind of equate it to Gen Con or a large con. It's kind of like going on vacation. I get to go to some place and get to do things I probably will not be able to do any other time. You know, there are, there are spectacle events. There are, there are, you know, events like the, they might be giants type of thing. I'm not going to be able to do that any other time, but a local con is almost like having a gaming weekend with my friends. That these are people I already know. I already like, I'm going to get to play with games with those people. Cause I already like them. I get to play games. I know we're going to enjoy. And there's some comfort in that. And there's some, uh, you know, intimacy where, you know you're going to see those same people over and over again, and I I enjoy that a lot more. Now the downside, food. You know, a big con like Gen Con, you have lim almost limitless food options, dozens of food trucks, lots of restaurants from you know a mom and pop sandwich shop all the way up to five star gourmet restaurants. Uh, you know, any sort of appetite bars if that's your thing. Uh, there's a lot of things to do outside the convention, like if you want to go to a museum or go to a ball game. Like Indianapolis has all that. At Catacon, less options for that. And, um, you know, if you have, like, maybe your your GM doesn't show up at Gen Con, you can find something to do for three or four hours until your next game. GM doesn't show up at a Catacon, 
might be a little harder to get into something. <laughs> Maybe. I, I honestly feel like it was easier at a catacon to like to jump into something than it would have been at Gen Con because, because you just look around and you can see everyone else who's not doing anything. <laughs> well, well, but I mean, again, because it's smaller, it's a little more intimate. Like you've got the game library at a catacon and at a, so you can just go pick up a game, take it to a table and be like, Hey, anybody want to play this? And there's a good chance you're going to get a couple people who, yeah, I'm sure I'll sit down for a little bit. I've got some time before my next event. Whereas you know, when you go into the open gaming hall at Gen Con, I mean, it's literally just a, it's, it's a sea of people sitting at tables and there's plenty of tables that might want to run events for you, but there's this as a ticketed event. This is a non-ticketed demo. This, and it's so much more confusing to just kind of walk in. I just want to sit down and play something for two hours. I'm not even really that picky about what. All right. And, and cost is that, again, I, I'm, very, yeah. I'm very proud of the fact that at a catacomb, we don't charge anything other than your badge. Once you're in, you're in. Everything else is free. You know, some things are limited seating, of course, but you don't pay extra for anything that you want to do. The game library is free. Even U2K and Cthulhu, which at Gen Con, those are like 20 to $24 events you have to pay for. They're free at a catacomb. Um, well, and, and again, like we talk about a catacomb because of our experience, but I mean, a lot of other smaller conventions are set up similarly where it's, it's a one time, it's an entry fee. And then everything else you do is part of that entry fee. You know, like yeah. we do a very good job. A catacomb does a very good job of kind of wrapping that bundle up and making it so much easier for the attendee to just be able to go in and play the things they want to play, you know, maybe have some spare cash for the snack bar out in the lobby. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, you can, you can go in, play what you want to play, sign up for what you want to do, get a game from the game library. You've got the, you know, you, you've got the, uh, the lottery, the raffle, I yep. should say, you know, you could win some really cool stuff. I didn't last year, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, hopefully this year, maybe my luck will turn. Right. So what about you, Chris, anything you would add into that for pros, cons, big cons versus little cons? For me, um, the biggest pro for a smaller convention it's much more relaxed for me. I'm not in a rush to get from place to place. Usually it's, oh, I've got to go four tables that way. <laughs> yeah. Versus like Gen Con where it's like, I have to go half a mile that way, then up the stairs, into the hotel, and then find my room. Like it's just a lot nicer for me because it's easier for me to relax doing that. Um, I mean, the cons for smaller conventions, like you said, there's not as much, not as many vendors there doing the big things. So Fantasy Flight Games is not going to show up at a catacon to demo their new Lord of the or not Lord of the Rings, what was it? Legends of the Five Ring card game and have a three hour line to get in to buy it. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to stand in that three hour line. Yeah. So but, it doesn't matter, but for, for but for the people who want that, that's yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it was neat to watch them roll out that new game because they had people actually dressed up in the different outfits from the different I think it's clans, clans in that game yeah. and walk around the vendor hall, you know, beating the drums and making a big spectacle. Some people really like that. Me, I don't, I'm in a game. Please be quiet. <laughs> yeah. but that could be cause I'm old and I don't like a lot of extra noise. Right. No. And yeah. I, I, do, I think that, that again, I think that goes into the cost. You're not going to go to a, a catacon or another regional local con and spend, well, 
I'm generalizing here, obviously, is spend as much money on like vendors and games as you would at Gen Con or even Origins where they come out with their new thing. Like, like, you know, this is the first chance you can buy this game. If you don't buy it here, you can't buy it for several more months. If you buy it here, you get this extra special bonus card that you only get if you buy it at Gen Con or whatever. So, Mm -hmm. no, they absolutely, they incentivize you spending money at Gen Con, which is probably why they're the largest convention in North America or gaming convention, I should say. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I do feel like we're selling the Catacon. I, that, that was the yeah. point. Uh, we did the same thing last night when people started talking about Gen Con. I mean, I think it's natural for us to compare the two. Um, I love Gen Con. I don't want anybody to think that I, I will be going every year that I possibly can. Uh, but I also love a Catacon. Even if, even if I wasn't organizing it, a Catacon is the type of con that I would want to go to. And since it's so close, I would. <laughs> yeah. I would say another kind of for me when I weigh what conventions I'm going to go to, like going to Gen Con, the cost alone and the time off of work, I had to give up two other conventions. I'd kind of rather go to two more conventions in one. Maybe I'm greedy and I just want to go to more. Sure. But that's, that's a big thing for me when it comes to what conventions I'm going to go to. And I mean, this year it was the 50th anniversary. I mean, that's, that was a big deal too. Uh, You know, next year, Gen Con, I might not be so quick to go. I might try and go to Origins or I might try and go to a couple more local cons. There's a game hole con over in Wisconsin. I might try and check that out. You know, there's, uh, you know, you can, you around the U S anyway, it's hard to throw a rock and not hit a con at any time of the year. I know I've looked. Yeah. (laughs) And actually, uh, Origins. I really liked Origins this year. I had a lot of fun last year. It uh, it's a it's like a mid sized con. I think it had like twenty five thousand people. So half the size of Gen Con uh, was great. It's, it's a little bit smaller, so you're going to see some of the same people over and over again. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely a fan of Origins. That's another con, which I'm I'm very fortunate where I live. I'm two hours away from both of those, or either of those, I should say, um, or both. I don't know. However you say that, I'm two hours one, two hours the other. So that it makes it easy for me to do that compared to some people who, you know, they have to fly cross country or some out of, out of country to go to these. There's so much more cost for me. It's, you know, 10, 15 bucks in gas. And then, you know, I'll spend some money to sleep in somebody's floor for four days. It's uh, it's a little bit easier and I get press badges. So, you know, Hey, if you want a press badge, our podcast, get, you, know, <laughs> you can get that for you. All right. So we had a question here. It's a little bit outside the box. It's kind of a big question, but I'm interested to see how you guys would cover it. I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, if you're going to design your own RPG, what are some tips you would have for developing the mechanics of that RPG? Do not let the mechanics mechanics get in way of the story. That's the biggest thing I say when people ask me that question. The mechanics should be there to add to the story, not take away. Uh, don't make the mechanics what drives the story. Uh, make them so that they actually aid the story. Uh, also keep them simple. Um, I don't like real complicated mechanics. Uh, I like a little more simple stuff because A, it's quicker to pick it up and go. Uh, B, it's easier to learn. And C, it's easier to teach. So those are my main categories for it. What about you, Mike? Well, I'm not one that does a lot of uh, GMing or DMing. I, I probably should at some point, but I just, I really enjoy playing. But as a player, I think I would stick to what Chris said. I mean, really keep it simple. Um, unless you are somebody, and, and I mean, typically you know what type of gamer you are. If you're somebody that likes crunchy and likes complicated and likes complex systems, then skew toward those games. 
if you are somebody that likes simplicity, skew toward those types of games. A mechanic that's in place that provides no actual storytelling benefit is just there to, to be crunchy. You know, um, I'll use, I'll use, uh, I'll use uh, the game I'm most familiar with right now. So FFG's Star Wars system, right? There's a number of areas in the system that, that are dice rolls to figure out skills, to figure out successes and failures. But even a simplistic system like that can be boiled down even further when you, de- when you decide that certain things matter and certain things don't um, in, the, in the process of telling the story and in the process of figuring out what happens. At the end of the day, you're all around a table trying to share an experience, whether that's a sharing in a great story or sharing in, a, in, an, in an insane tactical battle scene where you have to make sure you have enough ammunition and you have to make sure that you're facing the right direction. You know, all those things are valid in this form of entertainment. So it's just figuring out what you like and, and gravitate towards systems that give you that thing for me. uh, And again, to agree with Chris, I like simplicity because it lets me tell, it lets me have more say in the story that we're telling. And I don't have to worry about, you know, oh, well, I've got to roll this dice three times and then I have to subtract this person's armor and then I have to, to, to be able to say, I hit this guy. Does it, does it benefit the story? Does it not benefit the story? So mechanically, like I lean toward non-crunchy. If you are somebody that leans toward crunchy, then, then you're obviously you're going to want to look at your mechanics and say, uh, does this mechanic that I'm designing fit in the purpose and flow or does it impede the flow of the game? Does it impede the flow of the story? Does it get in the way? Mechanics for mechanics sake aren't fun for anybody. Well, yeah, some people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're right. You're right. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. So uh, for me, if a mechanic is just there to be a mechanic, it gets in my way. So one other thing I would throw in there, this is just a pet peeve of mine. Uh, if you're actually designing mechanics, anytime you want to write the rule or the word rule, cross it off and write the word guideline. <laughs> because if you get it in people's mind that this is a guideline, they're not going to be so stuck on this is how it has to be. That will prevent arguments at the table and it will just keep the story flowing and keep the game flowing. That's a pet peeve of mine. Yeah. I hate the word rule. So my number one advice would be to come to a catacomb and go to Jim McClure's <laughs> panel, The Art of Mechanics where he talks about designing RPGs and playtesting mechanics. If you can't make it to a catacomb, he does the same panel at Gen Con, and I think he does it at Origins. Uh, my personal advice is keep it simple. The, the, the mechanics should add to the game. I, I, don't, you know, I don't want them to be net neutral, like where they're just the, the arbiter. I want them to be fun. And for me personally, I want there to be a general system mechanic that the game runs on, like D20, you roll 20 and get high numbers. But then I want each individual class or type of character to break that rule in some way to make them different than all the others. So maybe your fighter gets to roll two D20s, take the better one. Maybe your rogue gets to roll a D6 and subtract that from the armor class. The bard can give out D6s, kind of like bardic inspiration in D&D. I want each class to have one little thing that's unique about it with the mechanics. Is This is the fun thing, like, oh, I get to do this because I made a choice at my character creation. You know, I'm not good at mechanics. I'm not good at math, so I can't balance those out. But that's something I look for is, oh, my character is cool because I do this and no one else does it. It doesn't make me better. It just makes it different, and I really enjoy that. 
like a system like Dungeon World, where your characters you create are basically unique in that world or that system, and they have abilities that are unique to them, and no other character can do those things. But don't roll two d six because I hate that. <laughs> I'm gonna run. I'm Again, gonna if someone's you. if someone's having fun rolling two d sixes, then they're they're rolling. doing it right. <laughs> I, I now have d twelves that are d sixes, so I'm all for it. Um, but yeah, I'm absolutely the wrong person to ask because I, I ignore most of the rules anyway. So, um, so find someone who, who, who likes them or follows them better. So crunch would be a good one for that. Uh, but mm-hmm. thank you very much for the question. So one more time around the horn, we'll wait just a couple minutes to see if anyone else has questions. Again, it can be anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be Gen Con related. Uh, and if we don't get any questions, then we'll go ahead and wrap things up. So in the meantime, uh, where can people, um, find you guys on the internet? Chris, where can people find you in the, the interim? Uh, Twitter is the easiest way. It's Burlu underscore Chris, uh, or you can reach out at Redemption Pod. Uh, we also have our Facebook page, uh, Redemption Pod, and we have a website, Redemption Podcast. All right, very cool. So, Mike, without repeating what Chris just said, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, all the things Chris said except his personal Twitter address. Uh, my address is it's at loser MLW. Uh, I'm also listed that way on Xbox Live. If you are a, a Xbox console gamer, I love to play just about everything. I'm really excited to play some Destiny 2 when we're done here. Uh, and, you know, really that's, that's where I spend most of my time online. It's social media is in Twitter. Uh, I'm on Facebook, but again, that's boring. So don't even bother looking for me there. Just focus on Twitter. Nice. So um, I have not been on Xbox Live probably for five years now. I'm, I'm just not, I don't have time anymore. I'm too old. I don't like the games. Get off my lawn. But I am extremely <laughs> proud of my Xbox Live username. It's at home player. And I just think that is uh, exceptionally clever. So I have it. You can't have it, but I'm never on there. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> now, if you don't use it after so many years, they can technically take it back. Oh, son of a gun. I'll have to my, log in to play, um, what was that game? Star, the Star Wars Battlefront. That's like yeah. my favorite Xbox game. I love Battlefront. I think they're so awesome. Are you on Xbox One or Xbox 360? Uh, 360, but not the new one. Not the... Not yeah, the, so not the new not Xbox. Not the Xbox One, right. It's X, yeah, Okay. Yeah. So it's not the original. I was going to say, we could play Battlefront, but unfortunately you would have to make a technological jump that you might not be comfortable making at this time. I am I'm debating when the Xbox 110... God, stupid name comes out. One X, Xbox One X. Oh, One X. I might actually pick that up because it's supposed to be backwards compatible. And I still have dozens of original Xbox games that I love that I can't play anymore because Xbox mm-hmm. 360 is not backwards compatible. But I'm probably going to get screwed because it's only going to be certain games. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I might actually upgrade to that when it comes. I won't do it when it first comes out because I'm cheap and stupid. I'll wait like two years. <laughs> but, but sometime in around year 2020, 2021, I might have an Xbox One X. Wow. So I'll look forward to playing with you then. There we go. All right. So I didn't see any other questions pop in. So we will just go ahead and call it here for the night. So again, my name is Michael with the RPG Academy. You can find me at the RPG Academy pretty much anywhere you search. If that comes up, it's probably me. So uh, this has been Michael. Michael. And Chris. And we will see you next time. Next time. So everybody do the awkward wave out. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Awkward. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, 
then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at therpgacademy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.